bureaucratic. This is an event. Hey, this is Golf Club. Hey, what's up? It's Castor. Hey, this is Stylist. Hey, what's up? This is Cofresi. Hey, this is Jack London. Hey, this is Kiva. This is Cloud Cord. What's up? This is Wicked the Instigator. This is Jesse Breda. Hey, this is Jason Hand. Hey, this is Father Funk. Hey, this is Dunks from the Funk Hunters. This is Encanti. What's up, y'all? This is Unlimited Gravity. This is MTG. This is Max Future. Yeah, listen to the Green Room Podcast. You're listening to the Green Room Podcast. You're listening to the Green Room Podcast. Hey, this is Co Paris, and you're listening to the Green Room Podcast. This is Flamingosis, and you are listening to Green Room Podcast. What's up, Megan? Episode what up? 48. We almost made it to 50. If we have, if we have two left in us, we can do it. <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. So you were just telling me you saw our, our dear old friend Michael. I did. I just saw Michael Mennert play at Part Wolf in Minneapolis, which is apparently um, the new Nomad. Yes. So well, I so hadn't been in there. Yeah. Um, it's the exact same, except they painted some wolves' teeth around the windows. Scary. <laughs> Spooky. Other than that, it's like totally the same. It's funny because like a year ago, I was hanging out with Christopher Michael Jensen, and he and I were talking about what bottles hang above the door at the Nomad. Yeah, it's like a big chandelier, right? Yeah, and yeah. do you know what they are? Uh, I know it's green. I would guess Heineken. Oh, dude, that's a good guess. Yeah? Yeah, um, I definitely guessed Heineken, but then we resolved it. It couldn't be that. Why? Because he's like, I'm for sh-, like, CMJ doesn't drink, but he was like, I'm for sure it's not Heineken, but it was a green bottle. So it might be Grolsch. Our next guess was St. Pauli Girl. Okay, yeah, that's a good guess. Yeah, so then we were both wrong. It is Bex? Jameson. Jameson? Yeah. Oh, they're just of course it bottles. is. Yeah, God I damn know. it. I know, disappointed. <laughs> this, this city in Jameson, it's like, don't we sell the most Jameson per capita or something like that? Do is we? It, I think so. That's like a fact I've heard multiple times. Huh. I really like Jameson. You know who loves Jameson? Ugh. Symbionic. He always just like will tote a bottle around, I feel like, and just like sips casually. And I'm just like, woo. Oof. Not, so I sweet. I don't know. It's not for me. Yeah. Anyway, it's not for me. You know. Yeah. Shout out to John and shout out to Michael Mannert. Anyway, um, it was cool to see them. I also got to say see JD because he was running lights and running merch for Michael. Oh, great. So shout out to JD. And I mean... So we've had Michael and JD on the podcast. And while I was in Denver last week shooting a music video with Will Robinson, I got to see the MZG boys. We were literally like in the grow house at Denver Kush Club, had just finished shooting. We were packing up and one of them walks past and sorry guys, I didn't know which one it was. (laughs) I'm (laughs) like, this is Will. And he's like, oh, hi, I'm Zach. And I'm like, sweet. This one's Zach. The other one's Charles. We're G. (laughs) What was he doing? What was he doing there? Um, so, so Zach and Charles both make hash at Den- at Denver. Oh, Quiz they work Club. there. That's their wow. their job. I had no idea. I know, right? So they must be smart little boys. Probably. Yeah. So, uh, that was nice. so that's cool. Yeah. How was how was the time out in Denver? You were out there with Will. You did a song with Will. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we did a song called uh, Green. Green rules everything around me. And so we went to go shoot in the Denver. <laughs> it's Kush called Club. Green. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, we went to go shoot in the Denver Kush club girl house. Shout out to Lewis and walk for letting us come out there. And, uh, we shot with Chuck Snyder and Morgan Chapman. So it was good to see Chuck too. Oh, great. Yeah. And then we were going to go to this place called the marijuana mansion, but they totally ghosted us. So shout out to y'all on that one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> anyway, uh, the so- video was cool. Um, I smoked more fucking weed in a day than I've smoked in like the last year. I swear Seriously? to fucking God. Yeah. But well, because I haven't been really smoking flour lately. I've been smoking oil and you know how, yeah, in it's my different. opinion, they might as well be two different drugs. Cause right. the tolerance for each is like completely tangential from the other. Like they Absolutely. don't, they're not correlated at all. And so I've just been like hitting a pen sort of intermittently for the past few months and not really smoking flour unless somebody's lighting up around me. And so 
we rolled a bunch of blunts and joints and got like cookies to be cookie monster and all this bullshit for the video. And Oh my God, I smoked so much fucking weed. And then we couldn't go to our second location. Like we'd planned. Like I was saying, we were going to go to the marijuana mansion. And so we were like, okay, well let's go up to, um, lookout mountain and get some cool drone shots of Denver and like, you know, uh, the mountains toward Boulder. So we're like, we go up there and the only good or the best spot to get a good shot is, you know, up a fucking mountain. So right. after I smoked more weed than I've smoked in like a year, <laughs> these motherfuckers are like, let's climb a mountain, Megan. And so we literally <laughs> climbed a fucking mountain. I mean, I wasn't like hands and knees and shit, you know, but like I hiked up a mountain and I was V out of breath. If you saw my Insta story, feel free to mock me. I was dying. I was like, <gasps> and plus we're at like, uh, 7,000 feet above sea level. So yeah, let's combine all these things. Let's exercise at extremely high elevation and smoke more weed than you smoked in a year, Megan. You'll nail it. Well, you did it and you survived in your back. I know, I know. So. I just complained the whole way. So it's totally nice. cool. <laughs> yeah, it was a cool shoot. It was fun to be out there. I saw Maddie for like an hour. Nice. Even though I stayed at her house for like four days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. I know, right? Um. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Uh, and then you're going to be hitting the road here pretty soon. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But yeah. before we get into that, what is going on in the world Oh, today? my God. There's so much going on in the world right now. It seems like the internet is up in arms about so many things. It's hard to it's hard to even look at my feed right now, to be honest with you. Um, but my main thought about it is everyone needs to stop policing everybody else's grief. Like... People can be two things at once. You know, Kobe can be this incredible, influential, amazing, like, role model and basketball player that we had when we were children and also be this, like, piece of shit rapist or, you know, alleged rapist. Alleged, yeah. People want to add that word in front of that. I'm glad you you brought that up because I was... They can be two things, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that the other day, too, as I'm sure most of America, even... I mean, at work, I noticed people who don't even follow sports were like, oh, shit, Kobe died. Yeah. It kind of transcends He was sport, invincible you know? to us. Yeah, it almost. kind of transcends the sport, or even if you like athletic competition or not, because, you know, how many people would, like, throw a, a piece of paper into a trash can and be like, Kobe, you know? There's totally. so many people that yeah. would do that. It's like a no, whole thing. No, and I'm not a rape apologist at right. all, but I am just saying that I feel people should be free to explore the emotions that what happened has triggered for them. That's right. okay. You can be sad about it. I can be sad that Michael Jackson died. You know, we can right. be sad about it still. <clears throat> and then we have to have this whole argument of separating the art from the artist and like, you know, s- separating the skill from whatever you wanted to call Kobe Bryant. Right. And there's a whole debate in and of that, in and of, you know, of itself, itself with yeah. that. But I'm just saying, I don't think it's a right to be policing people's grief and telling them what they should and shouldn't feel. I don't, right. I don't fucking like when people tell me how to feel no matter what it's about. So I don't need you telling me that I'm not allowed to be sad about something. First of all, I can't help it. Right. You know, and I cried right. when Whitney Houston died. Celebrity deaths are weird in general. This is weird. We're, we're mourning over someone we didn't know that we feel like we knew. Right. It's all very weird. It's right, uncharted right, right. territory to tell someone they're not, they're not allowed to be upset about someone that was really a fictional character in their mind. That, that's kind of whack to me. I think yeah. if you're sad about it, that that's okay. Right. And I, I think it also, like, we have to be careful. Like I was saying, I think you, I'm glad you brought that up because I haven't heard anybody in the media yet bring this fact up, but I've been talking with a few people about it 
And we're just kind of like waiting how, how long it's going to be before they bring up the fact of that, uh, the rape allegations. It was like in the late 90s or it something. It was immediately. Like that. It was 17 oh, really? years ago. No, I'm saying oh, they were brought up it. immediately. Oh, really? Yes, I didn't even it's I didn't everywhere hear about right it. now, Pat. That's all anyone's saying about it. And that's oh. what frustrates me so much is that, first of all, Kobe Bryant shouldn't be the center of this fucking tragedy. There was other children on the plane. His daughter was on the plane. There were children of like four different families on that plane. Four different families. It was a, it was a just, helicopter. Uh, or, excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's I It's a helicopter. That. And it was, I think it was uh, he, his daughter, uh, another two, two more parents and their daughter. And I think another father and daughter. Yeah. And so then the it pilot. Was, so four different families were torn apart part yeah. by this helicopter accident. Excuse me. I said plane a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, and, and I know, yeah, we're reflecting on Kiana, but no one's even saying the names of these other people. And when it comes down to it, all that everyone's given a shit about is Kobe Bryant. And it's like, okay, then we're yeah. being told, no, we can't be sad about this incident because there's a rapist on that helicopter. Well, there were also seven other people on that helicopter. So shut up about what I can be sad about. That's right. just dumb. It shouldn't be the focus of the crash. Right. And right. anyway, I just, people are policing each other and telling them what they can and can't feel all based on this anger. And I don't think... That anger over a heinous crime and mourning over a tragic event are mutually exclusive. You can still be mad that Kobe Bryant did that bullshit and right. and totally steamrolled that girl into not wanting to testify 17 years ago. Right. And you can still be sad that seven people just died in a helicopter crash. They're not mutually exclusive. And I've been seeing people post shit like, oh yeah, you know, kids are being... In put in concentration camps, but we're all sad about Kobe Bryant and his daughter. What? Yeah. Those aren't mutually exclusive either. Right. Shut the yeah. Fuck you can up. be sad about both, but what do you, so do you getting back to like how you, uh, you can separate the art from the artist, right? Yeah. With the Michael Jackson uh, issue. And, uh, you can kind of do that for athletes as well. And you can still be sad. So like, I was never a huge Kobe Bryant fan and whether he, you know, he allegedly didn't do that. According to the law, he didn't do that. Uh, he wasn't but convicted. Kind of but wasn't convicted. You know, that doesn't yeah, I know, I know, I know. But uh, I can still be sad about what he did for the game of basketball and what it means, kind of losing a person uh, as an ambassador of the game, and who, if he did do that, you know, seventeen years ago, uh, seems to have righted his life. And he was a father of like four other. He had like four other daughters or three other daughters mm -hmm. or something like that. And it seemed like he had a good relationship with his wife at the time. So it's still like sad for them. And it's sad, yeah, for, it's sad for a lot, a of, lot people. of people that yeah. aren't just Lakers fans. So right. I'm just yeah. going to leave it there. Exactly. Moving on to more Moving internet on. outrage. Um, everybody's outraged at Billie Eilish right now, which is so damn funny to me. The best comparison that I've thought of about this is Goldie Hawn and Kate Hudson. Okay. Like people aren't out here, um, you know, not providing value to what Kate Hudson has ever done in her acting career just because her mom was fucking Goldie Hawn. And I'm sick of this industry plant bullshit. You know, yeah, there are industry wait, plants. Wait, wait, wait. So what, what's the argument here that people that are Billie saying? That Billie Eilish doesn't deserve to be where she's at because her parents were successful and they already had access to the Hollywood industry. So really? she was basically I thought just they were, a plant. I thought I... From my understanding, they weren't that successful. They were They're like, like B-roll status yeah, actors. Yeah. yeah, so like, okay. People yeah. just will say whatever they want. It's yeah. really ironic because I hear this about Lizzo too, that Lizzo's an industry plant. And you know, if you want to talk about artist development, in that regard, she was. She was curated by um, Interscope for years before she actually popped off. Who Lizzo was? Yes. Oh, okay. I didn't yeah. know that. I mean, she had been working and touring internationally with Interscope for years before... 
um, good as hell got as popular as it did. Oh, really? And before, um, what's her main song right now? You know, uh, Truth Hurts. Truth Hurts. Yeah. Oh, okay. She's been like in development with Interscope for several years. Three years ago at the VMA, she wore a dress that just had it like shittily painted on the front of it. It said Truth Hurts. You know, that song was already yeah. done three years before and now it's charting. So mm. these things are planned. You want to call yeah, something an industry she also plant, has been, that's an industry She's plant. also been working with, I, I wouldn't say that's an industry plant because she's also been working with the same team, right? Uh, didn't she work with Ryan Olson, the, the dude from Gangs? Oh, and I she's mean, been working with those guys musically, but not management and all of that. I mean, oh, that's been th- fluctuating. Tour management has changed constantly. Oh, yeah, We've almost sure. had Stacey Wiseman on here. We're going to eventually. I'm sure she has. Well, I'm sure she doesn't have anything to say about that. But um, you know, I'm not saying she's an, a plant necessarily, but it's a manufactured superstar. They took someone that had talent and then they molded it into what they knew the world needed right now. And that's exactly that's what Lizzo job. has that's become. That's the what they do. Okay, that's yeah. my point though. Yeah. Why are people pissed about this? I don't know. Why are we are acting like this people is fucking nuts. new? People are nuts. In fact, uh, well, the labels. Oh, fuck Eilish. She's 18. She's not even depressed. If her parents weren't actors, she wouldn't be where she was. Her brother makes all her music, and she wears ugly clothes, and we can't see her titties. Like, that's, shut <laughs> up. People are saying that stuff? Oh, my God. Yes, that's the whole complaint. See, this is why I don't go on Facebook anymore. Oh, my God. It's uh, it's <laughs> it's exhausting lately, dude. Yeah, see, I, I just deal with normal things. But, no, yeah. all these old, these grown-ass men, that are fucking talking about an 18 year old pissed that she won all five Grammys. Y'all are giving me life and green is a shitty color on you. <laughs> I, I saw something really funny the other day. My brother sent me um, a meme that said something like when uh, it was like a uh, level five plant-based pokey master wins at a gym and it was a picture of her at the VMAs. It's, it's gym leader. Yeah. It was like, gym it, <laughs> yeah, like plant gym leader wins like irrelevant award ceremony <laughs> or some shit. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. It was funny. Um, but yeah, no, people are up in arms and I haven't seen, I got to say, I haven't seen any women mad about it yet. So that's kind of no, funny. Um, it's all these dudes that are like, why is she? I don't know. And they're all like, but, they're also accusing the Grammys of being historically racist, which I'm sure that you could have that argument about, yeah, you can make that argument. but let's also discuss that, you know, Stevie wonders is like holds the record for most album of the years right now. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, I know I'm just putting that out there. Right. Uh, I, I was watching it the other day for about an hour with a friend and it was just making me mad because I used to, I used to work for a record label and the Grammys would always frustrate me because I had to sit down and watch them and I had to do reporting on them and it was just like a chore. And the more and more I watched them and, and realized how it worked and how the money-making machine behind it, I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a lot of those awards are nominated by um, the people who have the nominations are record label executives for major labels. And of course they're going to nominate their own stuff. So of course it's there to, for you to be voted on. And they do choose popular um, numbers wise songs, albums, et cetera, song, uh, records. Uh, I mean, that's only makes sense though. I mean, uh, right. people were mad that Lizzo didn't get those awards that Billy got, but right. Liz, uh, but Billy's got 6 billion streams on songs right. that Liz, Lizzo has won. So, right. you know, but that, like from that top, makes sense. But my, like my point from top to bottom, I think it kind of sucks. Uh, yeah, it's just I mean, like it's kind of you're given a limited. It's really if you look at the nominees and the winners, it's a really, really limited list. It's really not that extensive. OK, and yeah, have, that's true. But look at who else was on there this year that we know. Lettuce. Adam Deitch was just at the Grammys. Um, really? What yeah, was he nominated Matt for? Cab was there with Lettuce was nominated for their last album. Tycho was just nominated what was the for category? their last album. Do you know? 
I don't off the top of my head. So I was looking through I'm, some of I'm the people cat- that we know personally. And that's that great. Were nominated and went this year. And that's super cool. That is super cool. And I just think the Grammys from top to bottom is unimpressive to me. Uh, it's cool that there's there are some cool people nominated like deeper down, but I think it's fine like for same. what it is. Everybody's out here acting like this yeah, is for some like is. independent record label founded fucking no, it's not, thing right. that everybody's all mad that they're all of a sudden not paying attention to the indie artists. <laughs> like, hello, like it was yeah. made by the machine for the machine. Exactly. That's what it's for. Like, can we just accept that and move on? And if you want to be mad, you can go get a fucking Razzie. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Cool. What else is going on in the I, world? I hope I win a Razzie one day. I hope you do, too. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to win a Razzie. Yeah, if you don't like the Grammys, then go win a Razzie. <laughs> <laughs> go win the worst. <laughs> go be the worst if you don't want to be the best. Yeah, I don't know. Are Razzies for movies or... I, it's, it's just, just movies? Just okay. the worst is there movie. like a, Okay, so there's Razzies for shitty movies. Is there is there Razzies for shitty music? There should definitely be. I think be. there is. I feel like there is. <laughs> no, there's nothing for him. One guy's react. A lot of people are asking the same question, though. One guy's reaction was, eh, the Razzies suck anyway, so it'll just be another sit- shitty thing. <laughs> I mean, that's like the whole point, though. They're like, it'll just be another shitty event. Anyway, yeah, so what else is going on in the world? <laughs> I, have, I have something um, that I, I noticed recently that was pretty funny. So... I think his name is Prince Andrew, the guy who was friends with Jeffrey Epstein. Okay. You, have you heard about this? Well, are we going to talk about that he killed himself? No. Well, I'm just so kidding. yeah. Well, Ep- <laughs> the Epstein thing is a separate thing, but I thought it was kind of funny that uh, Prince Andrew, however however old he is, I think he's in his seventies, they canceled his birthday party because he was misbehaving because of his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. So they just canceled his birthday party like he's a little kid. Well, I feel like everyone does like Benjamin Button in that way anyway. You know, like they, people joke about that. You just grow old and then you can't wipe yourself again. Yeah, that is true. That is true. But it's like, <laughs> this is a grown man and he got his birthday party canceled. Okay, here's a, this is a great segue into what I wanted to bring up because I saw yeah. something this week that blew my mind. Um, so there's this guy named John Wayne Bobbitt and yeah. they canceled his birthday party <laughs> after he didn't show up to it. And decided to flee the country because he was being indicted for uh, domestic abuse. Okay. Um, after, like, several allegations of domestic abuse prior. And if you've heard this name, Lorena Bobbitt, before, there's a whole documentary, um, actually executive produced by Jordan Peele. So everybody's super hype on this right now. Really? Yeah, didn't okay. he? He did uh, Get Out, yep. Us, and a few other things right now that everyone won't shut up about. Uh-huh. But, um, and obviously he's from Key and Peele, if... People don't know that that are listening right now, but um, he's like an incredible director, producer, yada, yada, and writer. And this is his newest thing, apparently. It's called Lorena. It's available on Prime and it's free. It's a four part docuseries about this thing that happened in like the early 90s, I believe. Yeah. Where Lorena Bobbitt cut her husband's dick off. Yep. John Wayne Bobbitt. Yeah. Got snipped. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Snippy, yeah. snippy. Yeah. They. <laughs> It turned into this, like, tabloid extravaganza. It was a cultural phenomenon. Did she throw it out the window, too? She, she threw it out the van of her window. So they or couldn't. The window of I'm her not going to go into too much of it, obviously, because there are, and like, so like many a, shocking parts of this documentary. There was one thing after another that I was like, what, what, what? Is it true that it got eaten by a gator? No, it is not. Okay, oh. so he still has his dick, yo. 
Oh, to this they, damn day. That's right. They sewed it back on. Okay. So I'm not going to go into anything that's like not in every tabloid about the Bobbits ever because I don't want to blow some of the really crazy parts of this doc for y'all. But um, yeah, the police like couldn't find the penis anywhere. So they, <laughs> they, at this point, they don't know what's gone on. You know, they don't know if there's been domestic abuse. They don't know if Lorena Bobbitt just freaked the fuck out and cut his dick off. You know, she, they don't have any clue mm-hmm. about what's actually going on here. So they call her. And right. they're like, okay, Lorena, you're not in trouble, but, you know, we just need to know where it is. And they kept calling it the organ. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need to know, know where the organ, the organ is. is. And uh, the police officer that found it, there's like a picture. You know how normally they'd have like a picture of them holding the evidence bag? It's a picture of him like standing in a field pointing at the ground, like, <laughs> because nobody wanted to touch it. Yeah. And so... I don't know how long that this had been going on, but but when they asked her, they're like, okay, Lorena, where's the penis at? You know, she's like, well, it's around the house somewhere. And they're like, mm, no, it isn't. Like, we looked everywhere. It's not in there. Where yeah. is it? She's like, well, at one point when I was driving later, I threw some stuff out the window. So maybe it was there. Like, how, did, how, how are you like, maybe I threw a penis <laughs> out the window that I cut off recently? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so anyway... um. Somehow they sewed it back on. They said it pinked right up. It pinked right up? Yeah, like that it was totally fine. <laughs> they sewed his dick back on. And then he went on this, like like I said, cultural phenomenon, like extravaganza. He called it being on tour, where he toured the country and was on like every talk show possible. And I remember people this. glorified yeah. him for being the man with the penis that came back. He did porns yeah. just to prove that he could. Yeah. Then the funniest part of all this shit, honestly, was that he decided that, you know, it wasn't enough to get his dick cut off once and sew it back on and it still works. He wants a penis enlargement. Yeah. So he I goes and this. has a penis enlargement yeah. that turns it into like Franken dick. And all of a sudden he's like got this fucking Frankenstein penis that is like super malformed and super heinous and fucked up. And the fuck, <laughs> I dude? Know. And it's funny because the guy who sewed his dick on was quoted as being like, if he would have asked me my opinion about doing that, I would have said, are you crazy? It's like, I already successfully sewed your penis on and now you want to take it off and add another chunk? Like, what? (laughs) Oh my God. So anyway, I didn't know about, I don't remember that happening and there are like a million other parts of that that blew my mind. Yeah, I remember it kind of being like a a weirder backstory even than that. Yeah, Jordan Peele did a great job of kind of vilifying both of them. To be honest with you, they were both batshit, I think, a little bit. So he does a really good job of making you be like, what is going on here? Like, who done it kind of thing, you know? So if you have time, if you've got four hours sitting around in the next couple months, (laughs) y'all, go check out Lorena on Prime. It's insane. It's a good jaw dropper for you. I'm going to go watch it tonight after I edit this. Uh, And then The Circle. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, the of, circle. Of yeah. Hollywood's abominations. <laughs> guilty pleasures. Oh, man. All yeah. right. Uh, what, a, what is one of your guilty pleasures, Pat? We talked about this. We just talked about this. Did we? With uh, with Corey. We were talking about guilty pleasure movies. Well, and you got all worked up about it. No, uh, we talked about uh, guilty pleasure music. Oh, gl- guilty pleasure music. And it's because you picked someone that is popular. We said you <laughs> said we were like pick an unpopular opinion, and you're like, here's a popular person. <laughs> well, that- it still can be a guilty pleasure. Anyway, that's not neither here nor there. What what is one of my guilty pleasures just in general? Yeah. Um, oof. my guilty pleasure has to be food. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe like Chinese food. I could spend a lot of money on Chinese food and not care, and I don't care how shitty it is. I'll just eat it. Really. 
I mean, I like good Chinese food, but I'm still going to be happy with bad Chinese food. Well, you are. You used to order a lot of Domino's, so I'm not too surprised by that. Well, I gave up Domino's, and yeah, now, because they they like <laughs> delivered too late to you, and now no, you're like no, really, no, like no. multiple times. No, like, this is a longer story than we have time for. But and yeah. that's the worst part about it is that it's like so long that you have like this fat vendetta against Domino's. I do, and you've ordered it enough to like hate <laughs> them this much. Anyway, yeah, I know it's sad. That's it's there, only. Domino's. That's your fucking guilty pleasure. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Roasted. <laughs> Fair enough. Dude, I love Domino's too, to be honest. So who, nobody else has the two for five ninety nine. Come on. Toppers does, but we don't want to talk about Ew. that. Ew. Yeah, we yeah we're not even, that. don't even disgrace the, this podcast with that word. I know. Uh, you want to hear something funny? Uh, Always. I, so I ordered Toppers a few times and I got on their like, they got my cell phone number. So now they text me and once Ooh. in a while, once in a while they'll like text me deals. How you doing, baby? And it's like it's like on a <laughs> it's like on a Tuesday and I haven't heard from anybody and I've just been kind of like sitting at home. You get a ding alone. and you get excited. I get it, yes, and, and it's and toppers. It's fucking toppers oh, and I'm man. like I'm like God Ooh, fuck my life. Subreddit watch people die inside. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. I'm like wow, toppers are my only friend sometimes. That's hilarious. Yep. If- anyway, uh, we got, all right. We can talk about this later. We got to get into our. Very special guest. This is Gabrielle Watson, everybody, a.k.a. 100 Drums. Super stoked to have you on here. Our first guest tonight is... Introducing special guest. Let's do this. You're listening to Green Room Podcast. Hey, everybody. This is 100 Drums, and you are listening to the Green Room Podcast. everybody thanks for joining us here on grp we're hanging out right now with gabrielle aka 100 drums how you doing hey i'm doing really good megan thanks for having me hell yeah dude it's been too long it's been a long time coming for this so we're stoked to have you on we're here with patty yeah. cake of course hi everybody i'm i'm always here <laughs> the baker's man I, apparently <laughs> i you know what though we were just talking about this before we started off about uh how you you got stoned and baked a cake and all your um your roommates, housemates came down and ate the cake, and that's great. 
I, I think I, it's best to call them apartment mates. Apartment mates. There apartment you go. mates. I, it reminds me of that Chris Lake song. We can make a cake. Wah, wah, ah, 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 ah. I, you know what I'm talking about? No. Everybody listen to that. It's called make a cake. No. I, never heard of it. No, I, but I have tried baking before, but it usually is only successful when I, I bake chicken. People describe it as chemistry, you know, and I think it really is. It's so easy to fuck up. Oh, when I so watch hard. the Great it's British so Baking Show and they have that, like, Julia Child's sister lady oh I mean, my god you know it's not but like she's still like ooh, this it's good um it's wonderful <laughs> desperation of the cherries like she's very julia childs you know she's like ancient as i'm like you have one taste bud left why are you judging this competition but she's you're horrible does she think left. every uh every pastry needs more salt I'll never forget her quote when they made like this upside down cherry bunt cake, which is you have to put all the cherries like into it. But if you don't add like enough baking soda or yeast or something, and then all the cherries just like sink to the bottom and fuck your cake up. Oh man. And so that was her whole thing. The whole time was like, Oh, the good distribution of the cherries. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Great impression, by the way. Thank you so, so much. That's so nice of you. So anyway, are you, do you cook in general or you just bake cakes when you're stoned? Uh, no, I cook every day actually. So I'm on, uh, this weekly meal plan. It's called hello fresh. And I go on every week and select different recipes and they send me the ingredients for those. And I cook those every single day. It's awesome because it saves me a lot of time. I'm going to the store. It's actually far more cost efficient. And these are, it's like packed with recipes that I would never just cook on my own. So I love it. I I love to cook, but I don't like really going to the store and dealing with figuring out regimens and yada, yada, yada. So everything is just like perfectly proportioned and it's enough for two. So I get four recipes a week and it serves two. So I'm getting eight meals a week for like 60 bucks. It's incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. My friend, I have a couple of friends that do that and our neighbors do as well. And they really like the lack of food waste, first of all, just like that. Yes. You use everything that you get. And they said it, yeah. it, it is very hearty, which was one of my concerns. It's like a lot of things like that. I feel like you are not getting very much food for the price. And right. so it's cool yeah. to hear that that's like an actually uh, good service. That's option, yeah, yeah, not just taking advantage of people that are like lazy or don't know how to cook. Like it's a good solution for people who aren't any of those things for people who are just fucking busy. Yeah. People who don't yeah, have time to go, go to the grocery store. I, yeah. uh, I work full time for Amazon as a logistics director and it's really long hours, four days a week, Monday through Thursday, and then I can be a hundred drums on the weekend. And, uh, I don't really want to go shopping. I deal with consumers and all of that every, all day. And it's just, well, not consumers directly, but their shit. And it's just last thing that I want to do is go to the store and, figure out what I'm going to cook and go online and find a recipe. So it's, it's great. HelloFresh, if you're listening, sponsor me. Hey, <laughs> HelloFresh, yeah. if you're listening, sponsor fucking us. <laughs> I was just, oh, I'm we're going to get in a battle about this. No, <laughs> no I'm glad you brought that up. Hey, no, was, we can go through Blue Apron. Try to, like, I we was got Blue try Apron, to... okay? Gabrielle can have HelloFresh. Why we can't can we both have HelloFresh? Let's both get HelloFresh. <laughs> we'll digress. <laughs> so anyway... What is um, probably the favorite thing that you did in 2019? I have an interesting outlook on on favorites. You know, sometimes I say, oh, this is my favorite. But I'm just saying that as an expression of how much I really like something. But ultimately, I 
don't have favorites because I feel like it isn't fair and it just isn't right to try to compare so many different things. Like some people would say, Oh, where's your favorite place to travel to? And I'm like, uh, what? Every place is so uniquely different that it just can't be compared. And every experience is so different that it just can't be compared to another. So it's really hard to say what my favorite would be. However, there's been a lot of different things that have taken place in 2019 that I absolutely enjoyed. And I'm going to say probably the one of the top is performing at Coachella last year. It oh, was fuck yeah. it was ball. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, I played the uh, the Doolab stage. Um, I actually opened up the stage, so it was fairly early, but that's okay. I was actually surprised about how many people showed up at 12 o'clock. And uh, after that experience, being able to go. Um, behind all the other stages and meet a bunch of artists. It was really incredible. I actually had a really long, thoughtful talk with Billie Eilish and she is the sweetest 18 year old, like wise beyond her years I- I've ever met. And uh, we got to vibe for a bit and uh, it was really cool. I went to the Kanye West Sunday church session and me and all my friends talked shit about it the whole time. And, um, yeah, it was interesting to see the Kardashians in real life. I'm like, wait, is this real or is it buffering? No, it's definitely real. They're standing there. And um, it's crazy how perfect they look. And uh, yeah, so Coachella is definitely a highlight of 2019. One of the highlights. For sure. Yeah. I don't Absolutely. know how it couldn't be. That's awesome. Yeah, that's super cool. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty bucket list, I would say, for like um, any aspiring. Do music. they still do two weekends or is it just condensed to one? No, sure. it's two weekends. Were you there for both weekends then, or were you, were you just uh, oh, one weekend? God, no. No, just just a second weekend. <laughs> nice. I mean, still, but still, that's awesome. I, I always, I guess I just assumed, because I've never been there, because I don't have, like, you know, $1,000 just burning a hole just in my pocket. Just laying around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I guess I get always assumed that, and maybe it's just, like, the headliners that come back for two weekends in a row or something like that. Yeah, typ- typically. I mean, it's... It, <laughs> I don't think very many of the general population goes unless there's just like a super trust fund kid. But um, me personally, I couldn't do two weekends in a row. Yeah. It's just a lot. It's a lot. I bet like there's something to do at every hour of the day. Yeah. Okay. So talking about a lot, have you been to Burning Man? Oh yeah. I've been to Burning Man about three times uh, years ago. That was probably been, I don't know, maybe four or five probably almost six years since I've gone back. Uh, I really miss it. And I've been thinking about it too, but I feel like once you've done Burning Man a few times, you, you get what you're supposed to get out of it, at least for me, just speaking in my experience. And uh, there's so many other things that I want to go do instead of spending thousands and thousands of dollars to be happy and be miserable for a week straight. So uh, yeah, I, I love the burn. I conquered a lot of fears, conquered a lot of hurt, um, had some of the best time ever and experimented with a mixture of substances. And uh, wow, I was born, chewed up and spit out. It was, it was, it was great. Yeah. I can imagine that you would sort of have to be when you're out there. I saw, yeah, yeah. I've seen so many documentaries about, you know, burning man and I've never been, and uh, someday, really? you know, you know, I haven't. Um, someday, oh. I will make it out there. But I think the the most interesting doc I ever saw was Camp Beaverton, which is a Hulu <laughs> documentary about this um, very sexually open camp that has a twenty four hour strap on a thon. Um, the orgy dome. 
the orgy dome yes and the yeah. strap onathon <laughs> i think you know conceptually I, I i feel like i'm way too insecure to be part of it but conceptually it sounds kind of awesome like there's like free contraception <laughs> for everybody and you just go into this big dome and you have a big strap onathon i don't really know but you know it sounds i guess i'm only like um i guess i only applaud it despite my insecurity because i'm like wow those those people have to be so courageous to do right, that. I, right. I could never do that. So I'm just kind of like, I, I respect them a lot. It's it's a lot. I went I went to the orangey to the orgy dome once, checked it out just because I just wanted to see it. I wanted to put my eyes on it. Yeah, and no, for sure. <laughs> it's like a really big, massive tent with cushions on the ground, a massive industrial size swamp cooler, and dicks swinging everywhere and. It's just really sweaty and weird. So it's, <laughs> I was like, up, oh, seen it for five minutes. We out here. Yeah, and, see, uh, I, yeah. I think I'm same. I would just want to see it, you know, but because, because, yeah. and just for everyone listening right now, you know, kink, it's a spectrum, not a checklist. So I just want to see it. It's just me. That's true. Yeah. Remember That's that. That's helped me a lot. You know, I've dated like kinky people before and I thought like some of the things yeah. that was asked of me that was just like. Jesus, that's a little bit like far removed from the kind of like the conservative upbringing that I had that I'm trying to break away from. And um, it, I used to feel like very pressured to participate in those kinds of things because my partner wanted to do it. And I felt like it was some sort of like obligation that I had with them. But I realized that it is a spectrum. It's not a checklist. And I don't have to want to do what you want to do just because, no. you know, you like that. Right. And I'm not shaming yeah. it at right. all. I just don't like it. There's yeah. some things that are cool to explore, I suppose, but uh, there's 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 definitely uh, a cutoff. <laughs> I have a friend that I vicariously live through. Uh, she's my neighbor, and she's amazing, and she has a profile on kink, and she's all about it. So it's like I get to experience it without really experiencing it because physically I'm not really interested, but I love hearing about it and seeing her totally. excitement. So I definitely right. get told all the things. <laughs> For sure. And, yeah, we have some <laughs> friends so here that run an event called the Forbidden Bazaar and it's like a monthly sort of sci-fi slash BDSM sort of like party that they have and like people with kinks will be there like there's this guy that you can walk on he has like two railings and you just like walk on his chest he really digs that like and I don't know it's just kind of it was very eye-opening to go to these events and to to know okay this isn't something that I would like subject myself to normally and the, like the things that people are doing here aren't, aren't things that I, I would maybe take part in but it was eye-opening to like break the stigma of that it's like some scary thing that only fucking freaks do you know because it isn't <laughs> it's like people that you walk past on the fucking street all the time like they want to be whipped or they want to be you know flogged or whatever you know and it's yeah. not that weird yeah. it's not as weird as you fucking think and neither are those people so anyway no I don't no, know where we got on this people. tangent, but it's a cool one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do what you want, people, as long as consent. Yeah. Consent is hot. Consent is so consent hot right now. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's very much. Um, hey, let, you know, let's take a little detour, though, and uh, kind of get going a little bit at some music stuff. We like to ask uh, what your kind of influences, what your musical upbringing was, if, or if you just kind of like dove right into it, into production and, and whatnot. But like, if you can shed a little light on that for us, that would be great. Yeah, I, I grew up listening to Rats Cry. It's really great music, by the way. It's such a crazy frequency. It really rings your brain. And then I got into producing music. <laughs> That's fast. 
I'm <laughs> 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 oh, just kidding. Um, yeah. So uh, my upbringing consists of a lot of jazz, smooth jazz, especially. Uh, that's my mom's jam. Uh, a lot of R and B. So through my blood, it's it's it's. I feel like what kind of gave me a lot of my uh, musical rhythm. Mm-hmm. And uh, growing up in high school, I got, or I want to say probably elementary school or middle school, like that grade right in between is when I got into hard rock and heavy metal. Mm-hmm. And from there on my musical journey just kind of went all over the place with exploring everything. And then and one day discovering electronic music. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I've been playing instruments since the second grade. I started off with a clarinet and then went to a saxophone, uh, went to the drums. I've tried violin. I've tried several different things, but as most people obviously know, the drums is what definitely captivated me the most because I'm a very physical person. And I love that I could use my entire body to really express how I feel and what I'm thinking. And yeah, so I picked up the drums around 14 years old and have been playing since. Unfortunately today, I don't have a drum kit. You know, I live in, I live on my own and in an apartment and can't really just be banging on a full kit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The neighbors, uh, even though they all seem cool, uh, there becomes a point where they don't like that. Yeah. Too much is, too much there's there's definitely a point um and so yeah so playing instruments has been a part of my entire life I want to say I picked up producing music I opened up my first doll which is actually machine studio and this was about eight years ago when I picked up machine studio and I even went to dubspot was that there uh so okay I I have a couple questions for you first uh where were you where were you born where were you raised where are you from? Um, so I was raised, I'm from Los Angeles. Okay. Los Angeles is my whole life okay. pretty much. Um, so I, I'm yeah, California through and through. Sure. And then, um, when I graduated high school, I went to university of long beach to obtain prerequisites to become a nurse practitioner, <laughs> specializing in obstetrician and gynecology. Okay. But I went to my first moon tribe, took acid, and my whole life changed and I wanted to do music full time and travel the world. And right. here I am today. <laughs> awesome. I know you're in Denver right now, yeah. right? I'm in Denver now, but mm-hmm. before Denver, um, I was in Northern California where I've been growing weed for pretty much the last decade, if you will. Woo, woo. Cool. Uh, yeah. So you said machine studio, uh, it was that like the first machine, like the MK one that came out. Yes. Or, had, no, no, no. The, the one after that, oh, the one okay. that had the LCD screen. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I had the yeah. I had machine, and I I found, you know, and I didn't know a, a whole lot about Dawes at that point. Um, yeah. And I was very frustrated with it. I, very. I it gets very. There's certain things that I'm like, why can't I just do this? You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I went to Dubspot to actually learn about it, and um, it was informative. But after finishing Dubspot and being on my own and still trying to figure it out, um, it was really frustrating. And then um, I met someone uh, who had been a friend of mine for a long time. And then he actually turned into my partner for the last six years. We're not together anymore, but we're definitely still best friends. Mm-hmm. He produced an Ableton and he showed me Ableton. Like he opened it up and I was just like, whoa, just by looking at it for the first time open, it looks so much more user-friendly right and um he pretty much 
showed me what I needed to know to kind of get started and take it, take, take it on my own and just kind of play around and then start developing my own questions to ask him. Um, and then, uh, that's pretty much how I learned just kind of getting started and playing around with it and then asking a lot of questions. And that was about six years ago. So I've only been producing in Ableton for about six years now. Yeah. But, and, uh, but Ableton's tight because it, it can do everything that machine can do, but then, and more, but and better. better. And better. <laughs> yeah, it has all the annoyances that machine has, uh, they've figured it out and they had it figured out forever. And then it can mm-hmm. just do that much more on top of it. Anyway, so yeah, that's super cool. So now you're producing in Ableton. Have you found that your productions, like your style has changed up quite a bit? Or have you been kind of locked into kind of the same like deep dub type stuff for your whole time? Well, my history of producing is is within the bass genre realm. I don't want to kind of like be specific. I'm saying, oh, yeah, I produce deep dubstep because right. ultimately... Uh, I don't want to get pigeonholed. And that's kind of like the big intention on my self-titled album that's coming out soon. This is my first album and my biggest production yet. You know, I've been producing for going on seven years now, um, like, you know, producing in a DAW for seven years. Mm -hmm. And I was patient for a reason. I wanted to take my time to really hone my skills, learn the DAW, learn everything through and through before I really started releasing any music because it's like, if I'm going to do this, it needs to be really good. There's no rush here. Right. So here we are seven years later, I'm about to release my first album. And I like to think, or I believe in my intentions with this is to incorporate all the different elements that inspire me musically. So I grew up listening to R and B jazz, smooth jazz. And there's a couple of tracks in my album that have some, jazz kind of vibes like one of the tracks on my album is called shakti sound and uh, i play a flute in that and i played it in a very jazzy like way and i harmonized sub bass along with it and it's also has live recordings of about 12 different students that attend uh, our retreat called Shakti Sound. We were in this silent dome at the Sierra Hot Springs and the acoustics in there is unlike anything I've ever heard before. It's like, it sounded like uh, angels were just oming and singing and making bird sounds and sex sounds and all of it. And I just, I, I, I couldn't contain myself and my level of excitement and how beautiful it sounds. So I ran out to the lockers ass naked <laughs> to grab my iPhone and uh, brought it in and just recorded. And so Shakti Sound has those sounds of these people singing, sounding like angels on some, some jazz flutes. And and, uh, and uh, so I wanted to put that in. Cool. Uh, and, is, uh, do you want to explain a little bit uh, what Shakti Sound is for people who don't know? Yeah, so Shakti Sound is a retreat that was started by Magdalene. Uh, she produces under Moondrops. And uh, it's a retreat, typically goes for a few days to a week, uh, usually women only. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we like to teach DJing and production to beginners, along with everything in between. So we're not just a production kind of DJ retreat. We also teach movement, meditation, some spirituality. We teach promo. We teach um, marketing everything that's a part of it while still encompassing the spiritual aspect of it as well. And given that the electronic music industry is so male dominated, we feel like the only way that we're really going to make a difference 
difference in the industry is to support each other, empower each other and share the knowledge, you know, education is power. And so that's what Shakti Sound is based around. And our next one is happening in February in Costa Rica. And we have some incredible artists that are going to be joining us. I think Maddie's and I'm on that, really hey? excited. Huh? I think Maddie's on that, hey? Uh, Maddie O'Neill, yes, she's on it. Uh, we have De La Moon Tribe. We have Hana. And we have so many others. But it's called Shakti Sound Costa Rica. And the date is February 6th to February 13th. And uh, it is at the Goddess Garden Yoga Retreat. So it's not too far from where Envision Festival is going to be. Nice. Cool. I, is, is Envision at the same place it was last year in Uvita or did they move it? I know they were having some like water issues that was making Uvita pissed. At them. Uh, you know, that's a really good question. I don't know if it got moved from Uvita. I'd be surprised if it did. Word. Okay. So I'm not sure. I can't confirm that. Yeah, cool. I was just wondering. It was uh, Uvita is so beautiful, and the the space that they had in it was awesome. But apparently, like the the festival basically takes the entire water storage of Uvita when we're there for that week. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. We left no yeah. water for the actual citizens, and so they were like, "Fuck y'all." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's weird. So it's kind of crazy. I think there could be a solution for that. Going but... back and forth with the locals. For the last few years, every year they run into some challenges with the locals, but every year they also figure it out. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you, so you said you've been producing for about you know six, seven years now. Uh, when you first started off, what, what did you find were like the challenges of being, I assume, um, like most people are, I assume you're kind of like self-managed and kind of approaching it from that, right? Yeah, honestly, because I'm classically trained with having with instruments and playing music my entire life, I never really ran into any problems with making music too much. My biggest challenges, though, was the navigation through the DAW, having to learn literally everything so that the creative process gets smoother and smoother mm -hmm. because for the first few years, it's like, I have this idea of the track that I want to write and then I try to do it. But then it's like, Oh, I have this idea of something I want to manipulate and do. And then I have to spend so much time looking online, right. calling a friend and trying to figure that out. And then by the time I got it figured out, my creative juice. Yeah. And energy has been, yeah. It's like gone. And I'm like Ugh, over it. So my challenge ultimately was, trying to keep my creative process as smooth as possible while still learning how to navigate through the DAW. And it mm -hmm. took years, you know, I'm still right. learning even today. I have a very smooth creative process. Now it's obviously a million times easier, right. but I still try to do something new and different every time I open up and write a track. So right. for me, that was my biggest challenge. For, from like a, a business aspect, though, uh, how did you find the challenges being self-managed to like get your get your name out there, uh, get shows booked and get to kind of where you are right now? Frankly, it all just yeah. comes from passion. I live and breathe music. You know, I, I don't know where I would be today. I honestly don't even know if I would be fucking alive if it wasn't for music. Um, so because it's just my entire life um, going through music school all through grade school and mm -hmm. through my adulthood and the challenges that I've faced with, you know, some people trying to take the music away from me, um, only just made me want it more. And yeah. so that has been my biggest inspiration and my drive to 
to keep going. So I've definitely gone through some terrible times, terrible, terrible times. And I've had someone try to destroy a hundred drums and he won for a short period of time, but here I am now. <laughs> yeah. Last laugh. Uh, what do you remember your very first show as a hundred drums? My very, very first show playing as a hundred drums was at the, Oh God, I think it was called the, the co- No, 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 no. It's, it was in Santa Monica and, uh, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't remember what the name of the venue was. I want to say it's the Kava Lounge, but that doesn't seem, it was the Kava Lounge. Yeah. So it was the Kava Lounge in Santa Monica. That was my very, very first show as a hundred drums. I played my first dubstep set and I was so nervous. It was, yeah. it was, it was, it was nerve wracking, but Again, it's those kinds of things that keep feeding me to want to get after it even more and get better. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I feel like dub, I don't think dubstep and Santa Monica really go hand in hand. I don't know. I mean, you're from L.A., but every time <laughs> I think of Santa Monica, I think of like um, old blue hairs and like overpriced burgers <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> oh, but those overpriced burgers are so bomb. But this, 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 the people that did the event at this venue, it was a bass music night. It, okay. it all meshed together really well that's cool yeah to go back to what you were saying a minute ago about somebody trying to like ruin you um this quote is something that's like stuck with me my roommate went to mcnally smith which is a music school well was a music school here in saint paul and he i think he went for almost a full four years before they had to close down but um one of his teachers who's like a 60 year old like jazz guy said something along the lines of like Man, if I had a fucking nickel for every time somebody told me that I would never play in the Twin Cities again, I'd be rich. Yeah. And <laughs> it's just like good to hear that, you know, because you do get threatened and it can be so scary to feel like someone really has the power to like ruin your life yeah. or like ruin what you've built. And that is just such a fucking joke. And how narcissistic of anybody to think that they have the power to do that. Like, exactly. Give me a yeah. fucking break. Oh my gosh. Nar- the, the narcissism is, is real. Um, I could talk about it a little bit, but. Um, I was with a pretty well-known producer um, who obviously uh, will go without saying their name. Um, We were together for a couple of years and we broke up. You know, we had our differences. Neither one of us did anything to intentionally hurt each other throughout our relationship. You know, relationships are challenging no matter what. Things happen. You say things you don't mean, whatever. But we broke up and um, he had found out about something that I had did during one of the times we were broken up. And that just pissed him off so bad that he went on Facebook and slandered me. He sent private messages and emails to a bunch of different producers and promoters around the entire world, pretty much telling them to never book me with the list of personal reasons why. And, um, you know, a lot of people because of who he is, you know, followed him. And I was just kind of getting started out with a hundred drums. So of course it looks like, oh, I'm trying to build myself up off this person or I'm just using him to get to the top. Like there was a lot of that. And, um, but through that filtered out a lot, because even though there were more people on his side and slandering me, there were also good people that saw what he was doing and was like, oh God, this side of you is horrible. And some people reached out to me and told me that he had sent them messages and they wanted to tell me that they support me and the behavior that he was displaying was completely distasteful. And 
It's a bummer that people feel like they can even do that because it's like, honestly, and it's, it sucks that we get so upset about it because it takes so much energy to be hateful. Like Mm -hmm. think about how much energy it takes to like, like something, to love something, to express that you're stoked about something, to like try and, you know, like talk positively about something that you're stoked on. That doesn't take any energy, actually. That just, like, gives energy to people. I can't, like, so much, it's so draining to be constantly hateful. For him to just hate you like that. That's, like, it takes some serious energy. Yeah, spending weeks just emailing and texting and telling people all of this. Like, dude. I mean, that's a bit of a win for you, honestly. In my mind, I'm just like, lol, this asshat yeah. had to, like, he, he loved you so much. He was so obsessed with you to a degree that he had to yeah. take all of that energy and all the attention, the positive attention that he could have given you and spew all that energy out in, in the form of hate. It's just ridiculous. But all those people now know your name. Exactly. Isn't that no no publicity is bad publicity it's, it's sort of like thing, that. I, I mean, guess. It's along those lines, I think. Uh, yeah, bad publicity bad publicity is good publicity. You know what they say? It's, it's all good. It was really hard though, because there was a, there was a point in my life where I couldn't go anywhere without people talking about me. You know, there was one night I went out to an event and everywhere I would go and stand it, like people were moving away from me. And eventually there was a group of people, some friends that came up to me and then they're like, look, this really sucks, but you should probably leave. And I was like, why? And then they're like, because everybody here is talking about you. And it was that moment that I left and it hit me really hard. You know, the fact that I couldn't go anywhere without that energy following me. And, you know, even for a while I contemplated suicide because it's like, this is the end. Like, what am I going to do with myself now? And that's just one of the instances of someone trying to take away something that pretty much gave me life and they took it away. But obviously a lot of time has gone by since. And, um, here I am today. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. Yeah. What does Ben say? Uh, trauma plus time equals humor. So, you know, one day we'll laugh about all this who bullshit. Who says that? Ben who? Ben says that. Oh, that kid over there on yeah, the couch? Yeah, on the couch. Yeah. Jamie, yeah. you mean? <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, let you know, on, on a more happy note, um, I, I hear you're, you, you got some new exciting business stuff with uh, Gravitas and Pivotal. Yes. Um, yes. It's, yes. This is... Yes, yes, yes. 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 Yeah. Um, Nice people. Great people down there. Oh, great people. So I, um, you know, Reevolution was um, absorbed by Pivotal. And um, during that time, um, my agent who was working with Reev moved to Envision Arts. And I had to make a really hard decision on deciding if I wanted to go with him to EA or go to submission, uh, based out of Denver because submission is all, was also knocking down my door. And, uh-huh. um, so I, I, chose to give it a try with moving to submission. Uh, so I'm, I'm under their umbrella and I'm with pivotal for management working mm-hmm. with, uh, Jesse and Cole has been awesome. They're, they're great guys. I love that. They're just very honest and upfront and they're just, they, they don't beat around the bush. And I feel like that is a very, powerful tool for us to have in this industry because so many people were so quick to amp you up and be like yo that shit was fucking sick you know blah 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 right. but, and then you're like okay great but really how was it like I, I need to know this information as that helps grow and mold me into a better artist you for know sure. yeah they're very and, very good um, about that 
Yeah. And, uh, so I, I transitioned over to both pivotal and submission, I want to say about October last year, and then obviously all the holidays and stuff happened. So it's, it's been a bit of a slow start, but now that it is the new year, we hit the ground running. Um, Gravitas signed my album and uh, it's coming out February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day. Hey. All right. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm really excited. So far, I'm getting a really good response. Uh, there's been a few reviews on a couple of tracks. There's going to be some teaser promo videos coming out for a couple of tracks as well. The album features uh, Templo, who's, who's grown to be a really good friend of mine. He's incredible. We have a collab track on the album. And then uh, Vibe Emissions, incredible dubstep producer the guy is an absolute beast um he did a remix of my track circles and then i have a track that came out two years ago that was remixed by the legend leon switch and that's been getting a lot of hype for a while and so many people have been asking about it so i'm excited to finally put it out on the new album that's very cool and uh the original came out on heavy traffic radio and recordings two years ago when i had my first ep release and uh yeah, that one definitely moves mountains. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, working with Pivotal in terms of, like, uh, content creation, I guess, and, like, building a repertoire of, I guess, what we're going to be releasing has been refreshing in terms of, like you're saying, like, they're not just yay-sayers by any stretch of the imagination. Stretch of the imagination. I've almost had to grow a bit of a thicker skin I think as just like being a female and I'm just like admitting this as, as my, myself and doesn't make it necessarily like because I'm a girl, but I guess I sort of yeah. like equate it to that a little bit um, in terms of like gender roles that like sometimes they'll criticize something and, uh, and, or they'll be very short with me about something. And for a moment I'm like, Oh, you know, what did I do wrong? But then I'm just realizing like they've got shit to do. They're very busy. They're just like trying to be very, very, very yeah. um, upfront with me about what needs to happen. That being said, I love them both very dearly, but I don't have to listen to every <laughs> single thing that they say because I'm yeah. my own brand as well. And so, you know, like that's been kind of a difficult thing for me to learn to differentiate between, you know, me sending a song to my management and, and them coming back and saying, you know, I don't really like this segment and I don't really like this part or whatever. Um, and, and not to say that the only feedback I get is I don't like this, but I'm saying, you know, they do come back with, with feedback. That's like, I don't appreciate this segment. I think this could be stronger, et cetera. And I don't always agree. And I felt like at the beginning, because I was so excited to have this opportunity to be working with anyone in the first place that I just kind of took that as like God's word. You know, I just was like, Oh, that needs to be fixed. That needs to be fixed so I can keep them happy. And it's, it's yeah, just, definitely. it's easy to fall into what you think is expected of you and lose sight of what your original vision was when you have a team around you. And I mean, we all have a very collective vision of what it is that I want to do. We've talked about that obviously, and I'm sure you've spoken with that, them about that as well, but sometimes yeah. it can get a little convoluted when they're giving you advice in a realm that, you know, isn't necessarily their number one. And so I feel like yes. it's just taken me a moment to separate um, what should be constructive criticism for and something that I should consider as opposed to something that I just need to fix immediately. Like if I like the segment that they didn't like, like I need to learn to I'm let that be. It. I'm going to keep it. Yeah. yeah so anyway. I'm really, I'm really glad that you touched on that because, you know, I primarily am 
uh, dubstep, deep dubstep. And uh, so I was actually a bit nervous when Jesse expressed interest in wanting to hear the album because I'm like, what? Dubstep on Gravitas? Like that's, I've never seen them release dubstep before so this this would definitely be be interesting and when i heard it and i'm i was really glad that they really liked it obviously enough to sign it and um i also had to kind of like keep an open mind on the kind of feedback that i was going to be getting from folks that aren't heavily into dubstep or not saying not heavily into dubstep but just like aren't fully aware of like the culture and the aspects mm-hmm. and the elements yeah, of totally. it. So it was really good to kind of have like that kind of feedback from the outside as it, um, you know, get like it's going to continue to grow me as, as an artist. And ultimately again, like hitting back on my album, the goal of that is to kind of get me a bit out of the deep dubstep world because my album is primarily bass music. Um, sure. you know, I spoke about jazz a little bit, but moving forward to the next element is, which would probably be a shocker. Some don't know it already, but it's Psytrance. We know when I started DJing, I actually started DJing Psytrance. And um, my absolute favorite style of Psytrance is called Zeninesque. And that music comes from the label out of Australia. And then they're called Zenin Records. Zenin, some people say Xenon, but it's definitely Zenin. And it is my, you know, I'm going to use the word favorite for this. It is definitely my favorite style of Psytrance. And um, I, I, I love it. You know, Psytrance dance floors is probably the most lively dance floors I've ever experienced. You know, going to Boom Festival in Portugal, I've never experienced such an ongoing crazy dance floor like that. And it's so primal, animalistic. And um, I love Psytrance. So in one of my tracks on the album, it's called Psy Area. I wanted to incorporate a lot of Psytrance and Zeninesque while still keeping the ground level of dubstep. So it is in 140 BPM. Um, it has still got some dubstepy like drums, um, but I have a lot of Psytrance textures and atmospheres and one shots and stuff throughout the track. And in the breakdown, it kind of has what in Psytrance we call the gallop, which is like got some of that in there too. And it, I'm really happy with how it came out. So. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Going back to Gravitas, I had asked Jesse about the kind of thing that you brought up before when I was making some sort of like house music and mid tempo house kind of stuff. And kind of, you know, he he asked about what what's your plans for this track? We kind of would like it. Um, and and that was my first thought was well, y'all don't do house. And I remember kind of saying that to him, like, are you sure? Like, this isn't something I feel like you guys do. It doesn't feel like it really fits it. And he kind of made a point that made me feel hypocritical for even saying that. Um, because I definitely never have like made the same genre in terms of what I do. It's usually sample preferences and uh, like sound design preferences that has like formed my sound over me making the same genre all the time. And I kind of like to tell people when I do put stuff out that I don't really have any preference when it comes to that. I just want to make something that's enjoyable, that sounds like me, that's good. And um, Gravitas, Jesse has made it very clear to me as well that Gravitas is very much in that vein. He's like, I don't care if it's house music. He doesn't care if it's dubstep. He wants it to be good. And he wants Gravitas to be known for good shit. 
And so like, that's right. all he really wants people to think of when they think of, oh, what, what is Gravitas like? It's not, he doesn't want it to be weird based anymore. He doesn't want it to be like the, the tribal or like world kind of shit. He wants it just to be good and he wants to step out and he wants to find people that are making something new and things that are exciting and cater to that. So I really like and respect yeah, Gravitas that for that have, reason. I love that they have diversity throughout their label. Like that's, that's huge. They release music of all aspects, you know, house and bass music and psychedelic dub. And I just really, really, really like that. They're a very diverse label. So that that's one of the reasons why I'm really happy to release with them because not only does my music get released to a, a broader audience, but it's, it's an eclectic of an eclectic selection of music and Gravitas really crushes honing that so i it's it's an honor yeah for sure they do a great job in general i think they're one of the um one of the best boutique labels that there is in the industry right now everybody else i feel like yeah and i mean like uh you know there's been ups and downs with labels they'll they'll appear and then they'll disappear and especially artist run labels because they realize how much work that actually takes um but people drop the ball a lot and i feel like gravitas has been very good about not doing that they hold that yeah, ball. Definitely. They hold that ball. <laughs> they hold that ball. <laughs> they the balls. They hold Thanks. the balls. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Gabrielle, thanks for joining us. We're going to wrap it up here. But before we go, um, do you want to remind the, the listeners again of what your upcoming album is called? And when it's coming? Yeah. So, my upcoming album is self-titled, uh, 100 Drums, the album. And the, it comes out February 14th, um, Valentine's Day through Gravitas. And the album is ultimately to really put out what my sound is. This is my very first full album, a lot of percussion, a lot of drums are all recorded live. Um, I have some vocals in there featuring myself. And uh, yeah, it's my first time working with my own voice. So every time I hear it, I cringe a bit, but yeah. everyone else is like, yo, this is sick. So I kind of have to go off that. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and then uh, so do you have yeah, any really uh, any exciting excited. shows kind of coming up around right around there um, that the people can be hyped for? Yeah, can check you out for. Yeah, um, I could name a couple. Um, so I'm going to be returning to Lucidity Festival in Southern California. I'm really excited that I'll be playing the Thunder Stage at Lightning in a Bottle for the very first time. That's huge. It hasn't been put out yet, but you know I'm going to go ahead and put that in for the listeners. A little mm-hmm. sneak peek. Um, for those that are in Boston, um, I will be there March 15th uh, to do a Sunday session with Crook, who is another deep dubstep producer, and his music is incredible. And uh, yeah, there's a few other things in the works. And um, yeah. Hell yeah, dude. The Thunder Stage is epic. I love Doolab. As you know, you've just played it with Coachella. So you know how uh, baller of a job they always do. They are incredible. They're really good people. Megan's been a huge supporter of mine from the very beginning. So when she hit me up, like, Hey, I was like, Hey, (laughs) I think, um, I think pivotal is stage managing the thunder stage again as well. They were last year anyway. That's awesome. Yes. Jesse mentioned that they will definitely be there. So it's awesome. The whole team is there. So there's just like six people there to help with whatever you need. And yeah, you're going to have so much fun. Oh my God. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> All right, Gabrielle, thank you so much for joining us. And hey, thanks for being patient with us while we got these uh, technical difficulties. Um, oh, yeah, no worries. I'm glad everything worked out. 45 minutes late. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's our, that's our fault. Um, anyway, so thanks so much. And uh, you have a great day. Yeah.
Nice to talk to you, dude. Alrighty, I'll see Glenn. you in like a week. Yeah, hit me up, Megan. Text me when you're um, on your way out here, and I'd really love to see you. Fosh, sounds good, girl. Have a good day. Bye, y'all. All right, thank you, Gabrielle, so much. We appreciate you coming at us from Denver, and I'll see you soon, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so, Megan, what real quickly, what dates do you have coming up? Oh, my God, all the dates. Um, honestly, I'm super stoked for what I've got coming up this year. I don't feel like I had as much action happening at this time last year, so that's always a good feeling to look back and be, like, right. stoked about it. So, yeah, um, improvement, right? Yeah, it feels like it. It's funny, everything's always such a roller coaster with this stuff that sometimes you do just get, like, surges of bookings for no particular reason, but mm-hmm. I'm feeling um, that I've got some momentum building up right now, and... I have a song ready to release every month for the rest of the year at this point. So Really? Good yeah, for you. So um, I'm really excited about building some momentum this year. I'm headed out tomorrow morning for Tucson to go play at Gem and Jam, which I'm excited about. This is the 13th annual Gem and Jam. And what day, what day are you playing? Um, I believe I play on Sunday. Sunday. At 5.15 okay. on the court stage. Cool. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, what, like the second uh something like that something like yeah. that anyway it's Sunday. the 31st through the second and then um on the third we'll wake up and drive to austin so i can see my management a little bit it'll be cool to say hi to cole and koshi yeah and if y'all ever listen to these pivotal people text me a <laughs> banana right now yeah so we we're just like testing <laughs> we want to know yeah okay so anyway um yeah and then after austin we're gonna roll through to new orleans because since fat tuesday's at the end of february they're like kind of in celebration all month so that would yeah. be cool i've never been to nola and i've always wanted to go obviously as a musician so right i'm excited to go check out bourbon street for the first time and um especially when I mean, I think you can get be- beads any day of the, <laughs> any time and any day of the year in New Orleans, but I'm beads. excited to check it out. And it's like, you know, it's New Orleans month or whatever. Yeah, sure. And then we're going to keep driving through. We're going to go over to Branquility Festival. I'll be performing there the following weekend of Gem and Jam. Where's that? That's in Live Oak, Florida at Suwanee. Okay. Yeah, so I'm excited to see those grounds for the first time because they're kind of like iconic. Yeah, yeah, that'll be great. I think Huluween is there and then yep. Tipper has like his Suwanee party every year. So that'll be cool to check that out. And then we're going to go scuba diving for like a week. So I'll be back on the 12th after that. So that trip's like kind of long. On the 27th in Telluride, I've got um, the Gay Ski Week Off-White Party at, okay, okay. at the Liberty. Nice. <laughs> and then um, the next day, I fly out to Calgary for my headline at the Hi-Fi Club. Then I'm going to be flying the next morning out of there over to Seattle to go open for Beats Antique at the Showbox. And then I'm at Cervantes Masterpiece in the Ballroom with Daily Bread on March 26th. Very cool. I love Daily Bread. Yeah, uh, me too. And then on uh, May 22nd, I'll have Elements Festival, which looks super crazy. Like Bob Moses is on that and last year Disclosure was on that. And some of the acts on it are just unbelievable. So I'm super stoked about that. That one's in Pennsylvania and I had never heard of it before this year, which I feel dumb about now because... It's one of the craziest looking festivals I've seen in a minute. It's Diplo, Bonobo, Chris Lake, Walker and Royce, Dr. Fresh, lots of house music, Jade Cicada, Grammatic, Emancipator, Fortet, uh, Claude Von Stroke, awesome. Golf Clap, The Sponges. Amazing. I'm just stoked to see all these people. I love house music. Homies, That'd be so. great. That'd be great. Uh, cool. And before we go, we haven't done this in a long time, but we got to do it. Yes. It's time again to say hi to our friend Joel. Yo, Joel. Album of the week. See you later. Uh, thanks, Joel. All right. Um, <laughs> what Megan, do you got for us, Pat? Yeah, so my album of the week is actually an EP. I haven't been listening to a lot of new music so far in the new decade, but I did listen to one EP that I enjoyed, and it's from our friend that you just mentioned, Logan, all the way up in Calgary, Defunk. 
and it is called, what was it called here? It's called Awaken, and I listened to it. It's pretty cool. I don't have a whole lot to say about it because I just listened to it one time uh, just the other day, and there's five tracks. I believe you're on one. Uh, I am. Called Over the Moon, featuring your vocals, so that was a cool track. There's a lot of cool sound design, and um, you know his bass is always pumping, so it, is. It, was a, it was a really fun listen through. So Yeah, I liked that EP for sure. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually know they were going to put Over I the Moon am- on it, because it came out like a year ago. Right, yeah, I remember that. I guess we decided to place it on here, so that's cool. cool. Woo, royalties. Okay, nice. anyway. Um, what about you? My album is a 10-track album from a band called Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E, and their album is called Happy to Be Here. Um, I don't really know who I guess I would liken it to so much. Maybe a girl version of Tame Impala, sort of, uh, with a little more of an indie vibe even. I don't okay. know. Um, Darjeeling is probably my favorite track on there, and Clovers. So it's definitely not in the electronic vein at all. If you're looking for something chill to drive to, it's definitely the move. Always, always am. Cool, cool, cool. Well, thanks for hanging out with us this week, y'all. Thanks for being on the podcast, Gabrielle. We appreciate all of you, and we'll see you next time for episode 49. Peace.